This is Talent Everywhere for July 2017. Build Their Judgment, Part 2, Raise the Roof. Welcome to the Talent Everywhere podcast for leaders building high-performing teams in our fast-changing world. Here are your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hi, Gihan. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? Yes, I'm well too, and I was thinking that it seems like it's been a while since we last spoke, but it's only been a month or so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But it does seem like a lot has happened in that time. I know that you've been away, haven't you, with school holidays? That's right. We went to Canberra for sightseeing and then to the Snowy Mountains for skiing, and yeah, we had a great time. It was really good. And yeah. you've travelled too, haven't you? Uh, yes, yes. I've been doing a little bit of travel, the, probably the, well, Alice Springs, Sydney and New Zealand all in a week. Uh, that was just a bit of, that was for work, so not, not for fun. Um, uh-huh. and the, other, the other big thing that's happened is uh, I've just hired a, a practice, a business manager, uh, a PA and a business manager, uh, Emma. So she started working with, with me in the last couple of weeks and uh, uh, she's, it's really great. She's been working with me for now, just going on two weeks now, three weeks, and uh, it's really good. And I think it's pretty putting into practice some of the things that, that we've been talking about in this podcast, uh, about, like finding talent everywhere. And uh, Emma can work from home, can work with me because she's uh, based in Perth as well. And it's a really great combination of uh, her helping me build my business. That's excellent. So you're helping Emma to build her judgment, which is what we're talking about today. Exactly. That's right. Good, good. What a great segue. All right, well, well, well let's recap, Kihan, because this is part two of a three-part series of podcasts on what we're talking about is how to build the judgment of your team members, especially those who are working remotely from you. And we have this metaphor. We've got three metaphors. One is to break down the walls, then raise the roof, and finally open the door. So in part one, we spoke about breaking down the walls, which is helping your team members understand how their role fits within the team and the organization organization and even the outside world. Today, we'll cover Raise the Roof, where we um, expose our team members to higher roles so they get to see the bigger picture just beyond their little bubble that they work in. And in our next instalment, we'll open the door where we talk about giving our team members the chance to speak up and be heard both inside and outside of the organization. So when we talk about breaking down the walls, we're talking about just giving people a bit of exposure to what's outside. And now we're going to talk about raising the roof. But so when we talk about this idea of raising the roof, what we're doing is giving them um, a higher perspective, the sort of perspective that we have as managers and, uh, and as, as leaders. And, you know, you sometimes see some of your team members do something which you think, um, you know, they're really competent, but something that might seem quite reasonable, but had some unintended consequences. And, and you see this, sometimes you see it out in public where you see customer service people who offend customers on Twitter um, or even internally somebody professional like a graphic designer who uses a photograph without the copyright holder's permission um, simply because they need to meet some deadline uh, or somebody who uh, is part of a pitch team and uh, they're a junior member and they turn up late not realizing the consequences and, and the impact this has, the negative impact this has um, on, the, on the whole team and how it affects their relationship with their client. Uh, now, the people who are doing this may not think that's any big deal, but they don't realize what the consequences are. And perhaps they just didn't understand because as a leader, you didn't explain to them uh, the bigger picture around their role. So you asked them to do something and they did it or they did it um, with one slight variation, not realizing the impact of that. So what we're talking about here is giving them the giving them 
access to the bigger picture. So it's the sort of things that, that you see and you, on a day-to-day basis, exercise your judgment because you can see the big picture. Uh, how can you expect your team members to also exercise their judgment if they can't see the big picture? So it's unreasonable to ask them to make wise decisions if you haven't raised the roof and given them the, the view from above. Yeah, so how how can you go about that, Gihan? And one of the first things that you can do is to build them up. And the thing to keep in mind is that this is this doesn't happen overnight. So building wisdom and good judgment is a gradual and iterative and incremental process. And when you get started, you as their their team leader or their manager, you need to do a lot of hand holding. You need to give them a lot of support uh, to get them started. And there are various things that you can do to offer that support. That it can be training, whether you send them off on courses or they get a bit of on the job training, or you can offer them guidance, or you can even get some someone else in to help them out so to do a bit of coaching or perhaps set them up with a mentor uh, and that's how that they how they can learn and uh, and improve their skills and and get that that higher view that they need and the thing that uh, you need to do is to use the judgment that you have in taking your team members through this process as i said it needs to be gradual you need to introduce them to new things uh, um, slowly and steadily and give them greater responsibility and freedom and so if you're dealing, so let's start with an example. Suppose you're um, showing someone how they're going to deal with a customer uh, complaint rather than abusing them on Twitter. Uh, the first thing you, you can do is that you show them how it's done. So start by you performing the task and they look over your shoulder and watch you do it. And then the next time around, you can swap the role slightly. So you get them to draft the response to the customer and then you review it and let them know about any changes that you needed to make and help them understand why those changes were made and then it gets sent off. And then after that, once they've understood that, uh, you can get your team member to actually compose the response and to send it off and they just copy you in on it. And if there's no more, and, and again, offer them any feedback that might be necessary at that point. And then in the final, the final step, they get to do the complete task themselves without involving you at all. So in a distributed team, what you need to do is keep your eye open for the kinds of um, opportunities where you can build the skills of your remote workers. And a good way of doing that is to create a habit for yourself where you have the goal of delegating, say, once a week, giving an extra task to your remote workers. And that will force you to keep your eye open for those opportunities so that when they come along, you've got a task that you can train your workers on. And as they're working remotely, it's important to keep in mind that you need to use the right communication channels to guide them through this process. And as I said, it's a gradual process and you'll generally start out with it being um, one-on-one and fairly um, high bandwidth. So you might do something like desktop sharing or video conferencing. And then later on, you can step back a bit. It might not need to be one-on-one anymore. They could use a video tutorial and then finally step back a bit further. And it's just a bit of email correspondence after the fact to review. And, and finally you step away entirely, but, through that gradual process, you're using different communication channels that are appropriate for the level of engagement between you and the person that you're training up. Yeah, that's right, Chris. And what you're talking about here is actually what good managers and leaders have always done uh, in some in training. You don't put people in at the deep end. You don't, don't just throw them in and see whether they're going to sink and swim. You help them gradually uh, with this kind of multi-step training. And uh, what you're saying is just 
do it more intentionally and consciously for your distributed team members because it's very easy to have them out of sight, out of mind. Hmm. So the, the next step above that is to not only take them through that training, which happens at their level, but to show them the big picture as well, because people, earn, people learn uh, good judgment through experience and feedback. So they do something, they get the feedback, then they do it again, and they get more feedback and so on, which is exactly what you've described. But one way you can fast track that process, uh, especially for your distributed team members, is to show them the big picture early. So they are quite often remote from what else is happening with the rest of your team. So if you can show them what's happening, if you can show them the bigger picture, it helps to tap into their judgment and uh, their experience as well. So give them the chance to experience that thinking at the next level. And uh, that's easier to do with your in-person team members, but uh, look at what you can do with your distributed team members as well. It's, it's easy to forget them because they're not in the same office. You have to intentionally bring them on board. You have to intentionally include them in things which aren't necessary but are useful. Uh, so you have to do that intentionally. For example, if you, you could copy them on reports that you send to your manager, not just to the rest of the team, uh, because presumably you're copying them on reports that go to the rest of the team anyway. But if you copy them on the reports that you send to your manager, then you're giving them a little bit of a insight into the big picture. Um, and then you could even uh, ask for their input into those reports. So uh, perhaps even before you send them, you ask for input. Uh, and uh, it doesn't mean that you have to single out your distributed team members, but perhaps you distribute it to the entire team and ask for their input. Remember, these are not uh, your reports to the team. These are the reports that you are passing higher up the, the chain. So you're involving them and showing them what, what you had to report on, which helps them understand the bigger picture. Um, and you just have to work more consciously at it. You, you can't invite them to a management meeting, uh, but you can ask for their input beforehand. And again, it's one of those things that's easy to do, but it's easy not to do if you don't keep your distributed team members front of mind. Yeah, absolutely, Gihan. Uh, something else you can consider doing is that as a as a team leader, you're going to have quite a broad and um, deep network of contacts. So you're going to have the colleagues at work, your clients and customers, people that you've worked in in the past in other organisations. So that's a great resource that you can tap into to help out the people in your team and help them develop their judgment. So go through your network and both your online networks and your offline networks and pick out people that you think are going to be able to help your team members, whether it's um, acting as mentors or advisors or whether it's introducing them to new clients. Find these, these individuals in your network and introduce them to the people on your team, particularly your remote workers. Um, and, and make it an introduction. Don't just... Uh, just um, mention them by email, make it a proper introduction so they get to know each other, uh, know, know what they're about and know how they can help each other. Conversely, the people in your team are also going to have their own networks. They're going to have the skills that they've developed, experience that they um, have ga gathered over the years. So it's probably the case that you can tap into their networks and their skills and experience and help out the people in your own network. So again, look for opportunities to connect your team members to people in uh, your network that, that can help out the people in your network. 
So when it comes to out-of-office works, I think it's particularly important because, because they're remote, uh, developing those that, that network and those connections is particularly important for them. Whereas people in office, they're going to bump into the people in your immediate uh, office network automatically, so you don't have to work as hard for them. But for people who are working remotely, it's, it's extra important. So don't be tempted to think, well, because they're remote, they're never going to meet these people in my network. Um, they can always phone or email or even video call them. And at some point in the future, they may well meet them in person. So don't be tempted not to do this for your out-of-office workers simply because they're remote and you don't think they might be able to make use of the people who are in your network. The other thing to bear in mind also is that while your out-of-office workers are remote, they are local to somewhere. And it may well be the case that you do have people in your network who work or live or be visiting the places that are local to to your out-of-office team workers. So look for those people too and use that as an opportunity for them to meet uh, people in your network um, in person. And one of the tools to use for this kind of... uh, this kind of professional network, of course, is LinkedIn. That's the the online professional network. So in the first instance, do the obvious thing and add your remote team members and all of your team members to your LinkedIn network. Then they become part of that network and and they're they're connected to the rest of your network, at least with you as an intermediary. But go the next step as well and then use your LinkedIn network as a resource for finding the people in your network that you can connect to your team members and vice versa. Yeah, that's right, Chris. So that's actually involving your um, all the full team to extend their network. And just coming back to how they work in their normal day-to-day operations, uh, another thing that you can really do to help build their judgment and give them a, the access to the bigger picture is show them how things work under pressure. Because in tough times, it's tempting to uh, for you to batten down the hatches tell your team to leave you aside for the moment while you sort out the problem, while you fight the fires with at management level. And you think you're doing the right thing because you think you're shielding your team members from the trouble and from the conflict so that they can get on and do their own work and you're kind of fighting their fight for them. But that's actually the time when they could learn the most by knowing what's going on. And even if they can't contribute actively, they can watch and learn. And sometimes they can actually contribute. And that's a bonus. And with your distributed team members, just be really proactive about this. Because um, at one level, it's easy to exclude everyone else in your team. And uh, with the best of intentions, try to fight the fight yourself. And then you might involve some of your in-office team members. But don't forget that your remote workers, your distributed team members, are also Uh, just as valuable in your team. And uh, even if it means a little bit of extra work to bring them in or copy them or involve them in what's going on, uh, please do it because it's worthwhile, again, to help build their judgment. So that's just a simple thing. It's a simple thing that you can do to make sure that uh, that your distributed team members are involved all the time, not just when things are running smoothly. Um, Another thing, again, to involve those distributed team members is to share your success stories because people learn a lot from the stories that they share. Uh, As much as they learn from having procedures in place and they're having your guidance, uh, it's share share stories about what happens. Uh, They sell they sell the culture more than policies and guidelines do. And again, it's one of those things where it's very tempting to just do that for your in-office team members. Uh, again, not intentionally. So for example, you might have a regular team meeting and uh, as people wander into the room, 
just before the meeting starts, uh, they're chatting informally and there might be some stories shared and you might bring in your distributed team members by video conference or teleconference call, but by the time they come in, they might have missed the opportunity to, to share their stories. And as soon as they come on the conference call, it's like, right, let's get down to work and they don't get the chance to share their stories as well. So look for ways to... Uh, involve your whole team, including your distributed team members, in whatever's happening when you're sharing stories. Um, another example might be you might have drinks after work on a Friday night, and again, people are chatting informally and sharing ideas there. If your distributed team members aren't involved, then they miss out. Uh, so obviously, you're not going to, you're not necessarily going to invite them in by teleconference call to watch everybody else <laughs> eating pizza and drinking beer, um, but. Uh, look for other places where you can involve them and uh, just recognize that they might be missing out. And of course, in, invite them to share their stories as well, because what's happening in their local environment, um, in their lives, uh, is just as important for the rest of the team to know, because those team members also create some of the culture. Very good, Giham. And yeah, I don't know, it might be fun to join a teleconference where other people are drinking beer and eating pizza. I've never done one of those. <laughs> no, it's the other way around, isn't it? Where you're much going to eat so well, everyone else is at work. That's the joy of working remotely. <laughs> All right. All right. So something else we tend to do when we're working is focus on um, near-term and short-term goals and devalue those things that are a long way off. And that's, that's kind of our emotional brain and our instinctive way of thinking kicking in. Um, and, it come, and, and it can be to our detriment because... Um, it, sometimes it does make sense. Obviously, things that are remote in time and space, there's a, a great, there can be a deal of uncertainty associated with them, uh, whereas the immediate things are, are near near to us and, and they're more certain. But th- we tend to overdo this. We tend to devalue things that are far from us in time or a long way off um, far more than is rational. And so it's something that we need to uh, overcome and think about and and. Uh, include in the ways that we work. So this applies when you have a team, particularly a distributed team, who is working together on a long project. So you as the team manager and as the as the project manager, you're motivated by the, the end delivery date and the milestones along the way um, because you can see how all your team members are working together to contribute to that and to deliver it. But they're not. They're focused on those, those near-term deadlines, uh, getting their heads down and getting the, those smaller pieces of work done. And it doesn't matter how much you try and motivate them, talking about the sense of achievement when we get this all done and the rewards that we're going to get or, or the, the shame and, and penalties that come with failing to deliver. Um, what you've got to do is try and bring that, that future uh, point in time closer to them. To, so you, you have to lift them up so that they have the same view of the project and the timelines that you have um, you could be, you know, you could just focus on giving them small bits of work and short deadlines, so they're just looking towards those. But that's not giving them the opportunity to uh, exercise and build their judgment. You want them to have that high-level view that you have as well, so that they've got the opportunity to make decisions as well. So when it comes to a distributed team, what you can do is involve the whole team in the process of planning and developing strategies. And an obvious way of doing that is to make sure that you use 
tools for developing your project plan, for documenting it, for storing it, for keeping up it up to date, and for tracking it as uh, as the as the plan is executed, making sure that the tools that you use are these online collaborative cloud-based tools. And there's a huge number of them to choose from. Um, there's tools like Trello and we use Jira and Greenhopper and Basecamp. So there's there's a plethora of them available these days. Um, and there's but there's still a tendency for managers to have their have a whiteboard and have sticky notes and uh, and and drawings on their whiteboard and that constitutes their plan and they update it as the plan is getting executed. So you could uh, take photos of it and upload them to a shared team space or something like that as the plan evolves. But it's better to um, take those offline things, put them aside and start from start from uh, the very beginning with a tool like Trello or one of these other cloud-based um, project planning tools. Yeah, I think it's important to be both active and passive, so proactive and uh, just responsive. Um, and what I mean by that is so you involve your team members in the planning as well as uh, make the updates available to them so they can go in on demand and see where the projects are, to see where the, what the milestones are. Uh, but also, as plans change, don't only involve your in-office team members in those changes, uh, involve your distributed team members as well. Yeah, and that's the beauty of these kinds of tools, Gihan, because everyone is on an equal footing in that regard. They can all see the whole the whole plan. They can update it as they complete tasks. They get ticked off, um, and everyone gets to know what the status of the project is as a consequence of it being um, in the cloud and in one place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you've got that infrastructure set up, it does help to level the playing field. And if you don't, you just have to be proactive about it to make sure that everyone feels included. Yep, yep. Um, and that leads on to the next one, which is letting them make decisions for you. So it's one thing to offer input into decisions. Uh, it's another thing altogether to actually let them make those decisions. So uh, if you want to be, if you want to lead a team where people make decisions, then it's a better team. You're definitely helping build their judgment because you then know that people have a responsibility for making good decisions, but you still hold the accountability so that um, you'll still back them up regardless of what the outcome is, but at least you get them going through that decision level process. Um, and, you know, when you start off, they may not be ready to make those decisions um, themselves, but first let them make more decisions at their own level. So the sort of things that you would have been deciding for them, just give them a chance to do that themselves. Um, give them more autonomy over their workplace, give them more autonomy over their prioritizing tasks and just see how that goes. And uh, initially it might mean that they will make what you might call inverted commas wrong decisions, but that's just an opportunity for, for learning and training and helping them to understand the big picture so that next time they will make a decision that's uh, in, a, in a better context. Um, and then after that, then you can bring them closer to the higher decisions. So for example, in an in-person team, one of the one of the things that's often done, and uh, it happened with me when I was a, a very young manager or being groomed as a first-time leader, was uh, my boss invited me to the management meetings as an observer, and uh, I could just see the decision-making process in action. And again, that's easy to do with an in-person team, but it's not as easy unless you're proactive to do that with uh, with your distributed team members. So here's some of the things that you can do with your distributed team members. So first of all, 
be willing to let them make decisions that only affect them. And with the distributed team members, their infrastructure and their environment might be different from everybody else's. So let them choose their work environment. Let them choose to use a Mac, even if everybody else uses a PC. Give them flexibility around their working hours, even if the general in-office team members and HR don't have those sort of guidelines um, for everybody who's working in the office. Um, and also fight on their behalf with people like HR, with people like the IT team, be, uh, to give them that flexibility and give them the ability to make decisions because uh, those team members aren't around to fight, fight for it in person. So you have to, you have to carry the fight for them uh, with the rest of the organization. And then give them more decisions, uh, give them more opportunity to make decisions, just as you would with any other team member that you're helping. And if you can't invite them to a management meeting to see what's going on, see what, he, see what you can do that is still worthwhile. And uh, it might be that some of your management meetings are run by teleconference and you uh, allow them to log in and listen as an observer and as a silent listener at first. And initially, just give them the chance to be exposed to those, that, that higher level thinking that's happening in the organization. Yeah, very good, Kihan. So, just in conclusion, I think the, one of the things that uh, I would say is that you might realize that you actually don't need to do anything at all to groom them further. Now, it's not necessarily that they're already ready to take on a high-level role or to, um, that, that you're ready to expose them to the world because they exercise perfect judgment. But more, more often than not, managers and leaders underestimate the skills and talents and decision-making ability uh, of their team members, especially distributed team members, because it's very easy to just see them as somebody that you give tasks to. They do those tasks very well. They, re they return um, the, the results and then you give them another task. And you may not realize just how much more they could do if you gave them the opportunity to do that. Um, so most leaders, and actually most parents as well, they hang on too long before letting go. Uh, and I'm mm. saying this not as a parent, but uh, as an observer or other parents, it's, you know, it's, it's not responsible to push them into situations that are beyond their capability, but you can usually let them lose sooner than you might expect. And, and you might be pleasantly surprised at the results. So, so do it. Uh, I, I would suggest that you don't go to the extreme, but you do like loosen the reins a little bit and uh, allow people to exercise their judgment and you might be pleasantly surprised at the results. Yep, it's that gradual incremental process. Yep. So as, uh, as we mentioned at the start, this is part two of a three-part series on building their judgment. If you haven't already listened to part one, then you can do so by going to talenteverywhere.com.au. There you'll find a blog, and in that blog we have um, installments or articles related to the podcast. So you can find part one there. You'll also find part two fairly soon. If you want to get in contact with, it, with us, then you can leave a comment on one of the blog posts and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Next time, we will be covering part three, so stay tuned. And until then, thanks very much, Gihan. It's always been valuable and interesting speaking with you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes and more, visit talenteverywhere.com.au. And remember, great minds don't think alike.